Welcome, everyone. We are really excited to be here for our Mastermind Brain Trust. I've been talking with these incredible voices for months now about what's going on in the world. And um, we have so many behind the scenes conversations that we wanted to bring the whole group together. Some people will be coming in because I know they're coming off of different talks. Um, we were hoping to get Sherry on. She has another conflict, but Eric should be popping on. And we have another special guest that hasn't been part of our mastermind that'll come on halfway through. But the conversation today is really around practicality for parents. We've had, we had part one, two, and three of the series of homeschooling, deschooling, unschooling, not just our children, but ourselves, because so many of us have to be deprogrammed. But today's really focused on the children because, you know, I think we can all agree that the biggest concern really is for the seven generations moving forward. What, what is happening in the world and what's gonna be the impact that we're gonna see down the line. And so we really wanted to take time to put out a call to action to families as people are moving into um, this next school season. And I think the consensus is that the more action we take, not just as individuals, but as a collective unified force, really activating the power of the people, that's when we're gonna be able to really have the impact and change things, deconstruct them so that we can build new. So this is really about being creative, innovative, and um, inspirational to really give parents back the power to know that not only can we take back our children, we can recreate and rebirth the educational systems. We talk a lot about our medical systems, our economies, our, our world. And so that's what this session's about. And I'm going to start with you, Larry, because you being a pediatrician, really understanding the psyche of the children and what's happening to them as they um, navigate through these times. So if you could open up the conversation. Sure. Thank you, Imani. And uh, great to see you, Renette and Pam and Christiane. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure how many parents are aware of the degree to which the system in which we live today is stealing the brains and the hearts of our children. And what I mean by that is there's a technology and there's an educational system and there's a curriculum and there's an ad advertising uh, uh, agenda that is pulling children away from brain development and more towards uh, sub submissions, subservience, obedience, and robotics. And so if we want to open up our, our eyes and our minds and our hearts, we can begin to see that all of the technology that is currently constructed for children, including the video games, including the apps, the social media, the TikToks, the Instagram, whatever else people are on, is meant to uh, keep children in a vacuum and in a vortex of nonstop searching into a deep, dark space where they never are able to come back out to actually use their brain and think. And the most important things about brain development uh, are that the mammalian brain in humans predominantly develops outside the womb, whereas most other mammals, the, the neurological system, the brain develops in the womb predominantly. 
And so we are responsible for nurturing the development of our higher brain centers. And what, what stratifies us from other mammals is the higher brain center. And that higher brain center doesn't develop because of what you feed it from the outside, what you tell it, what you insert into it. These higher brain centers develop because of the initiative, the motivation, the action, the engagement, and the play of children so that they develop experiences, observations, discoveries, and are able to come to conclusions and understandings and realizations by themselves, not something that's fed to them from the outside. And what a lot of these social apps are doing and what these video games are doing is dominating the part of the brain that works in the chemistry of addiction, habits, and non-thinking. And so as long as we want to allow our children to develop their own thought process, to develop their own discovery of what they understand through the world and through their eyes, we have to disengage them from this rabbit hole which is just keeping them in an addictive, primitive, reptilian brain chemistry of adrenaline and dopamine that's not allowing the critical development of the massive, beautiful forebrain that leads to consciousness and awareness. And so one of the things that I've been saying, and I'm going to close on this one and then you know, uh, volley with, with you uh, colleagues, one of the things that I've been saying in the office to adolescents is um, when the heart pumps, it pumps because it's filled with blood, correct? And they say, yes. And I say, but it needs to be empty in order for it to fill again. Because it can't fill if it's full. And so that empty space, that emptiness, that openness, that moment when nothing is in the heart is the moment when it can open up to receive more blood. And then it pumps after it's full, and then it gets empty again. And I said, and that is what is needed for brain development. But if we continuously fill the brain nonstop, with app after app after app after feeding after feeding after feeding, switching back and forth from app to app, looking for stimulation and filling up. We will never allow for the heart and the brain of the child to be empty because it's in those empty moments when the body and the brain and the heart can fill. It's in those empty moments when ahas happen, when realizations happen, when insights happen, when thoughts, huh, I didn't consider that before, when there's openness to be filled with things that are coming through the senses, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're smelling, what you're tasting, what you're touching. And so when we 
engage our children in this nonstop filling, this nonstop feeding, we are actually destroying brain development and creating the template for robots and uh, subservient, obedient people who are only going to fill the front of their brain from information that comes from outside. And what's missing in a lot of the adolescents and even young men and women in their 20s is this, this lack of skills, this inability to figure things out because they were constantly being filled with the stimulation and the answers to make them smart or to make them bright or to make them successful. But in fact, they had no life skills at all. And because brain development is happening so quickly in children, by putting them into these black holes of these electronics, we are not allowing them to have the empty spaces so that they can fill and think and consider and discover and create and imagine and wonder and figure out. And if you as a parent continue to allow the school system as we know it, to give them the tablets, to give them the phones, to keep them electronically connected, you will lose your children's development. And when they're older and adverse life comes their way, they may not be able to find the answers in these electronics. And then they'll have no skill set to actually discover how to figure out the answers themselves. Well, Larry, I would argue that we might already be there, that they don't have that skill set. I know that, I know that, I know that. And education through our school systems um, is the ending result of where we are. And I'll I'll turn to that. Yeah, cheers. But, you know, this is is part of what we're talking about as far as um, giving people options and you know, I think that getting to that place um, that, you know, you're talking about where we're, where those empty pots, this is the moment where, and, and that's our intention today to fill that empty space with some, a different possibility for those of you that are parents out there. I mean, some of you know, I've um, mother of six and homeschooled my children back in the day. My youngest is 18 and actually um, just getting, uh, uh, leaving home and is going to be doing some uh, con- uh, continuing education. But spent the last 30 years um, homeschooling my children, 10 of them raised them in a cafe while I did. And that life skill curriculum that you talked about, Larry, like it was amazing to me about how many children, because of the influence of electronic devices, and there was a really good article, and maybe I'll put it in the chat that you put out as far as really breaking down what's really happening with this technology. I think that that's a really good point. Chris, as far as this call to action for parents. We're going to kind of move towards that as we go through the conversation, but kind of bringing together what Larry's talking about from a developmental standpoint to the, you know, parents that you're working with uh, up there in Maine and around the world. What What's your take on this and your, your message to parents? You. Hey, I thought, yeah. Uh, you thank you. Um, I've always seen the difference between public school kids and those who, up till last year, went to Waldorf schools or were homeschooled. 
these are the children who can meet you eye to eye. They can look in your eyes. They're present. They're curious. They don't default to a peer group. Now, uh, one of my friends who's written a lot on mothering and daughtering, she calls peer group culture Lord of the Flies. And this is, and, and think of how artificial a public school is. You're only with your age-matched peers starting in preschool, and then you go through. And so the only ones that you listen to are that little bubble of people who are chronologically the same age. So my own children, one went to private school, one went to public school, but that was before the great reset and the great indoctrination. So I knew that I had way more influence over them than the school did because I would talk about everything that was going on in the school and I would go in there and I would make myself known. And the in, here's what I want everyone to know. The influence of a committed, engaged parent is infinitely stronger than anything the school system can do unless you are of that brainwashed style that believes that the school knows best, that those educators must have this figured out. And by the way, if you want the science of what Larry's talking about, which is this reward center in the brain and the dopamine hit, uh, Robert Lustig, the hacking of the American mind mm -hmm. is uh, a pediatrician. Oh, I love, love, love that book. Yeah, totally recommend everybody read it. It puts all the pieces together. And it's not just that the school knows best. It's the same thing that the doctor knows best. So what you're hitting on, Chris, is. Yeah. And then, you know, and then every like on social media. I mean, you've all you've all seen this at a restaurant, a table of adolescents all sitting around looking at their phone and communicating with the person to their right via a satellite on their phone. This is insanity. Now, what I've noticed, and this is interesting, um, with my two granddaughters, they're three and six, there's no electronics allowed because what the parents noted is even having them use the cell phone to take pictures created some kind of an addictive cycle with this electronic device where the child turns mean and nasty when you take away the device. Now, this is really weird. I have another friend who has a wonderful little boy who's seven. She learned two years ago she couldn't allow a device around him because he got nasty. So there's something going on with the technology that is literally hacking our better angels, our higher natures. I've always been inside a homeschooler, always. And I'm a big fan of John Gatto. He was the teacher of the year in New York State. And he would just let kids follow their own, their own star. But let me be very clear about something because I've got a couple of friends who are doing unschooling. Unschooling is not what John Gatto, unschooling doesn't mean just let the kid do whatever they want, um, you know, hang out on the back of a horse for the whole day. And there, there's something to be said, and Pam, you talked about it earlier today, something to be said about discipline, discipline and training the mind and hanging in there when things get hard. 
I've noticed on my social media, this is only on Facebook. That's a following that's hanging by, you know, a micrometer where I can only do puppies and kittens. But if I put anything on there, like I was putting on something about a nebulizer, that that would be a good idea to have one. The questions that come, how much, what kind should I get? How many cc's? What It is like, do you have any ability to figure that out by yourself or does someone need to spoon feed you everything? I've gotten so irritated by it that I don't answer those. And I used to, as a good doctor, well, let me help you. This is the prescription. This is the prescription. This is the prescription. Now it's like, look it up. Engage your ability to figure it out. Luckily, I have a couple of friends here in town whose children are going to go to trade schools. We need plumbers. We need electricians. We need carpenters. We need seamstresses. We need people who know how to work in the world. So I sent my two kids, regrettably everybody, to Ivy League colleges. I spent half a million dollars to um, to really develop the attack surface for propaganda. That's what that does. It develops the attack surface for propaganda. On a good day, it develops the mind and the discipline, and that I love. But for where things are right now, now I think that my kids got out of there just before, just before. But anymore, I would no longer, and, and Pam, I want to ask you about this because I heard this yesterday from our five docs group, that some guy, an army ranger, his 12-year-old daughter came home from Columbus, Ohio, a school with a sore arm, and she had been injected and given the shot along with 25 others without parental consent. What you need to understand now is that the public school system and increasingly private and even religious school, any school that takes any money from the government is now the matrix in which you're putting your child. Uh, it, to me, you don't want an exemption for what they're asking you to do. And by the way, our state mandate for 72 different shots goes into effect in September. So one of my friends is saying for her son to go back to school, he needs four, four DPT shots to catch up, okay? Uh, if you can't see this, if you care about your kid, and I understand you've been taught from day one, the OB knew, the uh, pediatrician, what is pediatrics at this time? And Larry and I can, I've said this for years, pediatrics, is nothing more, well child, well baby care, is nothing more than an opportunity to enroll your child into the military medical industrial complex, get them started early, and then inject them with the toxins that will dumb them down with heavy metals. Well, public school is the same thing. I've, I read a thing where they're telling you, make sure your child goes in with a change of clothes in case they have to spend the night. What would that be about? 
I mean, you know, back in my day, they took a change of clothes because if the frontal lobe inhibitory circuits were not developed quite yet enough by age seven or eight, you might need a change of clothes if they started laughing too hard and peed their pants. That's about it. Now it's like, well, if someone tests positive with a test that's completely ridiculous, we might have to keep them overnight for your safety. If you can't see this, if you parents can't see this, then maybe I'm going to be really mean here. Maybe the fact that these shots are rendering people infertile is not such a bad idea. <laughs> That's as nasty as I get. That's me being a loving badass. I really. love you. I love right. you, your loving badass self. And, you know, I mean, critical thinking. We're asking not just that um, we remind our children or show our children how to do critical thinking. I, again, I come back to the adults need to be critical thinking and not looking at some guru, some doctor, some teacher, some principal, some whoever present to, to save you. I mean, we're the only ones that are going to get ourselves out of this. And um, I, I'm, I've been all about, you know, hands-on learning. I mean, that's kind of why I raised my children in my cafe. It was like the, our classroom. Um, and one of the things that we're working on, and I'll put the link in here for Haven Earth, is we're, our whole mission right now is to start a seed center where we're teaching young people, adolescents, and, and it's really a form of rites of passage, but how to build natural homes with hemp. That's our, the course that we're launching, and our focus is on the young people so that not only can we be teaching them life skills, but they can be going through that process where they're able to activate that critical thinking and build homes of hemp. That is what we need to move towards. So those kinds of solutions are what the future needs. And Pam, you've been doing so much to um, make resources available to families out there that are wanting to homeschool. I think you said you've gotten like a thousand inquiries a day. And, you know, it's it's just, you're seeing, I mean, even as a naturopathic doctor and everything else you do, you saw the need for this and have put a lot of energy and emphasis on this. So, you know, I'll put up your website, Make America's Free Again, where people can get involved. But um, what action items do you have for everyone today? Yeah, so thank you, Larry and um, Chris, for setting the stage because you said so many things. And I'll start with the masks. You know, the masks are what everybody's focused on. And I was talking to some people yesterday who were talking about a group in their state filing a lawsuit about masks. I'll tell you, masks are the false flag. That's not what this is all about. And um, being all carried away with the masks, thinking if I could just send my child to school without a mask, then everything would be fine. It wouldn't be fine at all. Um, and it wouldn't be fine, first of all, because masked and unmasked children leads to bullying and all kinds of unhealthy behaviors, and the adults chime in right along with the kids. But the other thing is the vaccination without permission, and that is going on everywhere. We're hearing from everything from parents sending their child, their, you know, their teenager to the drugstore to get toothpaste and coming home jabbed, and then uh, in one case, um, when the mother screamed about it, the pharmacist got real snarky and said, well, we won't give him the second shot until after he turns 18 and he can consent himself. I mean, just complete disregard for parental authority and assuming that possession is nine-tenths of the law. They're in our building, so we can do whatever we want to. And that's very, very dangerous. So, um I think that uh, people should get their children out of school because it's going to be a dangerous environment, regardless of whether or not they have to wear masks. But, um, you know, I'm a pro product of public school and uh, and I'm a good thinker and all that. I've start, started thinking about, like, how did that happen? All right. How did that happen? Well, 
we had to do the same ridiculous memorization and all that kind of stuff. And so one example of how that backfired is I used to hate history. I'm a really good, I can memorize stuff. So I did great on tests. All you had to do is memorize this date, this president, this date, this war one. But if you ask me anything about context and history, I knew nothing and I hated it. And I'll never forget when I joined a book club and we read a book by David McCollum about history. And I thought, I'm going to read this just because book club chose it. You know, I wasn't very enthusiastic about it. And then I read this book. And I thought, wow, this is really interesting. And I started reading more and more. And I got interested in history because I was reading about history. I wasn't just memorizing a bunch of crap anymore, right? And so that's what public school does to people. It, 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 you might perform pretty well if you have a good memory, but you don't learn to enjoy or appreciate anything or learn critical thinking. And I think the same thing that saved me is that the public schools took up very little of our time when I was a kid. And I came from one of those European families where, you know, everybody owns their own business and the whole nine yards. And if you were old enough to put stamps on envelopes, you had to go to work in the family business. So by the age of three, right, it's sort of like what, what Imani was talking about, your kids at the cafe. They end up participating in the family business. And just being around my grandparents a lot and my parents and knowing what business was about and what being customer service. I understood customer service when I was five. I was able to answer the phone and take a message or hand the phone to my grandmother or whatever, you know, this, this is how we learn life skills. Well, if you look at what's happening in the public schools, masks are no masks. They take up more and more and more of your child's time. And pretty soon the parental influence is completely gone. You have no influence over your kid, you know, 12 minutes a day. You only can influence your kid when you are the predominant person or person spending time with them. And so we went to school at eight in the morning, came out at two, and then there wasn't all this homework all night and all this kind of stuff. So our parents and grandparents actually had influence over us. That does not go on anymore at all. And another thing I'll, I'll mention, I'm learning so much from all the homeschool parents who are helping with our project. And um, I, I wasn't homeschooled, and I know a lot of people who have homeschooled their children, and like Chris, I see the difference between those kids and how self-directed they are and everything else. So everybody thinks that, you know, it, it's all about just free form, like you're going to sit on the back of a horse. It isn't, but it is about letting the kids figure out what they're interested in, all right? And so um, I remember growing up, um, and this is a silly analogy, but I'll make it make sense in a minute. My mother had my my closet divided into, I had three color hangers, all right? So the blue hangers is stuff you can wear to play in. And the pink hangers is the stuff that you can wear to go to school. And the yellow hangers is the stuff that you can wear for special occasions, all right? So so choices, learning how to make choices, but, but giving some parameters for the choices because you can't tell a seven-year-old you can wear anything in the closet because they'll pick a t-shirt with a hole in it to wear to a wedding. And that doesn't make any sense at all. Right. So you have to, you build some parameters around it, but you, um, you allow the child to make choices. Well, that's what happens with this schooling. The kids start looking into things that they're interested in. And when they do that, they work so much harder. Like, and what just happened, a friend of mine pulled her child out of school last year and started homeschooling. They were getting ready to go on vacation and um, at, a, at a time when they normally wouldn't. Her comment was, we never would have been able to do this before because we always had to wait till the school gave us permission to go on a family vacation. And what the heck is that, right? But what they were astounded at is their child who'd been a bit of a problem child before the homeschooling um, said, well, we're going on vacation. So, um, and she said, yeah, no school for 10 days. And he said, I don't want to do no school for 10 days. Can I bring my stuff with me? 
And, and she said, never in, the, in, in all the time that this child has been in their care, did they ever think they would have to say, well, maybe enough school already, okay? I mean, but he loves learning. He loves learning. And so he doesn't look at this like school. He looks at this like, I'm, I'm just delving into this and now you don't want me to do it anymore. And that's what people would love for their kids to be is curious and, and self-directed. Like instead of saying, by gosh, it's 11 o'clock and you better sit down and learn history right now. And then it's 12 o'clock and you get to eat. And then at one o'clock you get to write something and, you know, getting rid of all of that and letting the child within those, providing those guidelines, like the hangers in the closet. Now the child starts getting interested and I'm watching my friend's kids come to life. And, and one last thing I'll mention, and uh, I've said this in, in so many of these types of sessions, is these adolescents turn back into human beings when you don't get them up in the middle of the night. They, they, they should go to bed at 11 to 12 at night and sleep until they wake up and start school whenever they're ready. And I've had people say, I have never had a civil conversation with my 14-year-old until we started that schedule where the child's sleeping, going to bed and sleeping according to the child's schedule, biological schedule, instead of the school schedule, right? They even eat breakfast when you don't get them up in the middle of the night. It's an amazing thing. They sit down, eat breakfast with their family and don't complain about it. So I think that, um, you know, maybe this is a big favor these schools did to do this mask nonsense. If the mask is what gets your kid out of school, then yay for the masks. But you need to see this as a deeper problem because even if they cave on the masks, you still do not want to send your kid there. Yeah, and you know, I just want to follow up on that, Pam. Just, uh, Chris, the aspect of unschooling that I like, and I was more of a structured unschooler, is that we follow the children's rhythm. We follow their direction. And that's one of the key things is being able to follow, allow children to even tune into what their rhythm is because the school is completely backwards having the older kids go earlier and the little kids go later. I mean, that's not their natural rhythms. And, and I think, you know, Chris and Larry, you would speak to that as well as just the developmental aspect. But the other piece that you said, Pam, for me, um, as a, a long time homeschooling mom with lots of hands-on experience is that there's freedom within the form. So homeschooling, unschooling, deschooling is all about freedom. That's what we're about. This is why parents are pulling their children out of school for those, the choice the, to have that freedom and for our children to not be subjected to masks and injections. And I know Dolores um, was supposed to be on what's happening in Europe specifically where the kids are going in and getting jabbed. And the fact that it's even starting to happen here in the States is just, I mean, kind of mind blowing. I don't think people can even comprehend that this might be happening in, in some areas of our country. But the aspect, if you're, if you're new to the idea of homeschooling and you're thinking like, can I even do this? I mean, you've got resources like Pam, but if we understand and take the pressure off as parents, that really is about providing the form. And what I mean by form is the structure and the discipline because within the form we find the freedom and the children can actually naturally start finding their own rhythms, not even just how they wake and when they eat and listening to their body when they're hungry, but also within that of how they want to learn and what's their best way to learn. And so when we as parents take the pressure off and provide the structure, it's really that balance of, am I providing enough structure? And for me, there were some days of, you know, mother of six, like getting up, making sure they ate and did some reading was the structure. We had that structure, but they were finding that that um, their own way within that. And so that uh, I, I don't know if you've heard this example, Chris, maybe you have, but like they did, and I don't know, I mean, it was a study somewhere, maybe Larry, you know, but if you put children in a playground 
and you have them there, you know, all around the playscape. And if you have um, no fence around it, the children stay huddled on the playscape. But when they put a fence, a parameter around it, the children would actually go out to the edge, which is what I'm talking about, providing that just kind of infrastructure, a direction. That's our role as parents, to provide the direction and the safety, because when we provide that, then they, they feel safe enough that they can explore the world. And to me, that's the ultimate balance with homeschooling, where we provide children that safety. And it doesn't mean we have to get it right as parents. It doesn't mean we have to figure everything out. Actually, we learn as our children learn, because right now we know that there's a lot of that we have to unlearn as we um, go through that process of coming to the reality of what's happened in the world. And I do think that this is the best time ever in a sense that parents are actually taking back the children. So Eric, you just popped in. I know you've been busy. I'm glad you could hop in between your like epic radio show that you've been launching. You're, you have children that are school age, um, just really practicality for parents right now with what they're facing. If they're, if they decide to have their children return to school. Well, there's there's a lot of well there's a lot of indoctrination that they're facing and I think you know I, Imani I'm probably one of the best people to speak about this because my family we weren't homeschoolers right I grew up in a small little town in central Illinois I mean we didn't even have to think about that my parents knew everybody that taught in the schools they knew the bus drivers everybody knew everybody so I remember the day I was a kid my mom walked me when I was in kindergarten to the bus told my bus driver, John Smith, who was six foot six on a bus, told me and him, if this young man is disrespectful or, or, or you know, isn't following the rules, you have my permission to spank his butt in front of everybody. And you want to talk about setting the tone for the next 12 years of my school experience, that set the tone, right? We're not in those days anymore, right? So here we are. Now I've got, I've got a 16-year-old, a 13-year-old, and an 8-year-old. And up until 2020, my kids went the conventional route of school. Now, we have a mindset in our family. We always say, don't let school get in the way of your education. We feel that it's up to the parents really to educate. It's up to the schools to, to, to do what they do. But uh, it's up to the parents really to educate. And 2020 was the year of 2020 vision, clarity, certainty. I mean, that was the year that the curtain got pulled back so we could see it. And here my wife and I are a year ago going, what are we going to do? I'm not putting my kids, I'm not subjecting my kids to ignorance. I'm just not. I cannot, I, I cannot let that happen. That's when a parent must step in and go, this is not how I want to raise my future. By the way, think about this, moms and dads. You raising your children is not just what you're instilling in them, it's what's getting instilled into your grandchildren and great-grandchildren and so on and so forth. So we made a decision to pull our kids. It was very outside of our comfort zone, but you want to know something? It was amazing. It was freeing. It was exhilarating. We got to spend time with our kids that we never thought we would have the opportunity to do. We got to watch them learn and grow and flourish. My daughter now is speaking different languages that I can't even speak. I mean, with all the stuff that we've done, I'm blown away by it. And I got to tell you, I wish I would have known this sooner because we would have done it. I'm not going to subject my kids to the ignorance of the totalitarian system that's there. Um, and I have, a, I have an eight-year-old little girl who has, uh, she gets some hypoglycemia and she gets some vasovagal issues. If she gets too excited, she has a tendency to, to faint. Well, I'm not going to put a mask on my little girl that's going to cause her to have that. And we went to the school, our school just recently, by the way, locally, and I've been working with the school boards over the last seven months. 
and they promised us that they are not going to reinstate mask mandates. In the zero hour, our kids are already out, but in the zero hour, literally two days ago, before school started, they said, you know what, we're going to implement mask mandates only for kindergarten through sixth grade, seventh grade and up, you guys are fine. It makes no sense. And it's confusing to the children. And I'm just not going to subject my my kids to learn from people that don't have enough common sense to make up their own mind in the first place. So I don't know if that's what you were looking for, but I've been waiting to have this conversation for a while because I know moms and dads that are out there that are on the fence. You know, that, that are that are scared because, wow, that's going to mess up my schedule, my social life. You know, in the mornings, how many moms I've heard from that says, wow, I had a schedule. I would drop my kid off. I would go to work out. I'd meet my girlfriends for uh, breakfast. I'd go to work. I'd come back and I'd be with the kids. Well, guess what? It's time for us to step up and be parents again because it's up to us to stop this. If we don't draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough, this cycle is going to perpetuate and keep growing and spinning out of, out of, out of, um, out of tune even more. When we're going to look up and look at our grandkids and go, what the hell's going on right now? They're not able to even have conversations with us because they don't understand freedom. They don't understand their rights. I, I just met this morning on the radio program. I did an interview with a woman who started her own school last year, and it's all based off of the Constitution and, and Christian principles. And I'm like, that's cool. So I got to talk to her about, she's overwhelmed with families. Thousands of families have reached out to her to say, how can I get my kids to come to your school? So now we're going to do a fundraising deal so we can get a new school for her next year so that she can have thousands of kids. If you don't want to participate in the system, create your own. It's really that simple. Exactly. That was Perfect, Eric. Perfect. <laughs> Renette, you know, I know you've been talking about the children in seven generations um, for a long time. Um, and I think there's a lot of good information here. And this is really it was uh, moving people, moving parents to actions. And, and I think what you just said, Eric, nail it. Like, we need to be parents. That's what we need to do is step up and be the parents. What are you seeing there um, with the families out there in California? I know that there, in certain pockets, there's been a lot of people homeschooling and people's backs are against the wall. Um, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it's definitely heating up here in, in California for sure, uh, especially around the school systems, the masking, possible vaccinations and so on. And so, um, you know, I just want to hit upon, there's so many good things that everyone hit upon here. It's like, oh, I want to talk about that. No, I want to talk about that. So I'll try to keep it. Uh, as, as focused as possible. Um, I just want to say that, you know, before COVID hit, I was very much involved in fighting against 5G uh, millimeter wave antennas and so on. And um, because we, we know that that, that affects um, adults, it affects children, it even affects the unborn more than anything at a whole different level. And one of the things we were talking about was the screen time that children were, were um, on every day. And we were really encouraging parents. And we even had a big um, event here in my small town in Grass Valley, Nevada City, where uh, they had a movie and a panel. They're talking about the, the addiction of screens, right? And it ends up that the, the radiation itself, there's a study, it's on bioinitiativereport.org, there is there is a, a study that the, the radiation itself is addictive. It, it it releases dopamine, and so when you're talking about Chris, when children you pull away a screen, if they just see that that light, if they just see the light. It's like it's like a hit of drug, like like a, like a, a, a hit of meth or something, right? And they're like, no no no, don't take away. I need that. That's my dopamine. So. We were, yeah, you have read the hacking of the American mind because he breaks that down exactly of what what happens. 
Right. So, so the thing is, is that we were really becoming uh, cognizant of this and then COVID hit. And the next thing you know, we're getting the kids in front of screens unlike ever before. And we threw all of that knowledge and understanding the danger and the risk to our children out, which is sort out the door. Well, weren't they closing the school to lay down the 5G though? Okay, so what's also happened is that, and this is very important, there's some good news here, but um, what happened was as soon as our, we were all locked down, it wasn't just, I was driving around my hometown in the middle of the night seeing what was going on. And we were seeing at three, four or five in the morning, these trucks coming in and they're expanding, expanding the fiber optics. Well, that's not bad. But what's bad about it is the fiber optics is the backbone to 5G millimeter wave antennas. Now, when I returned from Southern California last year, just as uh, last week, just as I'd uh, driven to Utah back when I saw you, Chris, um, while we were locked down, they put these gigantic 200 foot high towers everywhere. On my drive back, my eight hour drive from SoCal to Northern California last week, my partner and I got whiplash because I literally, we were photographing them all along the way, photographing back and forth, back and forth. And there's so many of them uh, hundreds of them. Well, the good news is in the D.C. Circuit Court just on the 13th of August, just last week, um, they went after the FCC because they're claiming basically like, you know what, we don't need any guidelines for radiation frequencies. The guidelines we have are just fine. You know, they, they have guidelines up to 6,000 megahertz. That's it. Well, guess what? Those antennas are now 100,000 megahertz. And we know for a fact that this radiation, right, it affects your mood. It affects your your able to, ability to, um, to to talk, to think, to sleep well at night, right? Uh, to have your um, uh, what is it? Your REM? Uh, what is it called? Um, oh gosh, it's the at night REM sleep. Well, I can't think of it right now. I'm blanking exactly. Um, uh, so anyway, so we know it affects you, and and what we've done is we've thrown children in front of these screens, and. Now they're not doing very well. So what can we do? Okay, pull the kids out of school. We know that for sure. We now have PMAs or PEAs. And, and, and we have that happening here in our community here. Um, we have these, these uh, incredible parents who have done that. Just what you said, Lawrence and, 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 and uh, Eric, they're, they're becoming parents again, right? They're like, they're actually taking the well-being uh, into, of their children into their own hands. And what's really important is if you start your own homeschool, make sure, and this is a lesson that we've learned along the road, make sure that you have in place your vision and your mission very clear. Because what happens, you start with this really cool core of parents who get it, right? And then once they go to expand, you have parents coming, well, I don't want this, and we're okay. We can have a vaccinated teacher. We don't mind. About and all of a sudden, they're watering down the quality of the children's education as well as ensuring that they're safe. So what's happening is that they started the school here, but they didn't have the mission and vision, and there's all this kind of mission creep happening where they started to water it down, so they've been working really hard to get that into place. It's really important, folks, that not only you're making sure that you're, you're, you're taking back the education into your own hands of your children, but right now, especially now, it's about the precautionary principle. And so we're having a little bit of a battle where the teachers are like, well, I've been vaccinated, but I want to be part of your school. So, well, A, if you've been vaccinated, you don't understand the spirit of what we're talking about, A. And B, we also don't know. This is a gigantic experiment. And to have children be exposed to a teacher all day long that's been vaccinated, we don't know about, right? We don't know about the type of shedding or transmission of the spike protein. So it's all about protecting the children. And so um, the other key thing that's really important here, while we're pulling the kids out of the school now more than ever, 
I've been a house painter for over 35 years. I have a mean straight line. I got a really steady hand. I know how to paint really good. And I paint houses all by myself, two stories, three stories. I know how to carry a ladder around better than a fireman. And what we decided to do is we are now going to start mentoring these children, how to become carpenters, painters, electricians. And you know what, Eric and Lawrence, guess what? As soon as these kids are like hands-on, they, their curiosity explodes. And one of the really important thing is I'm on the board, I'm ending my term on what's called uh, Four Elements. If you go to four E-E-E, three E's, four E-E.org, it is this beautiful Four Elements Earth Education. And it is all about the ancient arts of tracking, wilderness survival, uh, nature awareness. And these kids come into this program angry, upset, because the parents are separating them from the screen they don't want to be there. They don't want to do this. And the next thing you know, at the end of their first day, they don't go back to their screen. They've just been awoken to a whole new world. And it's so, and they're all dirty and bruised and messy and muddy and scraped up, you know, and they can't wait for the next day. And so we can break, right? We can break this terrible chain that is literally like tying us down. But the parents, the parents have got to be engaged and take the education and the well-being of their children and put it back into their hands, period. It's all about the parents. I love it, Renette. And, and it's something that we can actually do as parents. Yes, uh, what's today, Tuesday, we had 20 adults and there was one 12-year-old with us that was hemping, hands-on, covered in dust and lime out in the sun. And it was just that experience of the expansion that everyone felt, the empowerment. I mean, getting us one out in nature I think any kind of the wilderness schools in nature, like if, if you are choosing this year to bring your kids out of the school system, out of um, the grip, um, to incorporate that piece that you just mentioned as far as these life skills we've talked about and just the getting them in nature, which gets them off of the devices, which unlocks them from that grip that they're getting that dopamine hooked into. I mean, because that's how all this is really designed to work together. So I think we've covered you just kind of epitomize the ultimate, you know, homeschool experience. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people, parents are overwhelmed with the idea. I love Eric, you kind of just blew that out of the water. I know how busy you are. So the fact that your family did it. Larry, just slipping back around to you that, you know, what Larry, what Eric was saying, the parents, the moms that have their routine and getting what, what I'm curious what you, you would say to some of these moms, Dr. Larry, who has, Talks, you know, you, how would you say that to a mother that's on the fence, Larry? Um, well, we we have we have several generations of parents. Mm. We have parents who, when they brought up their kids, they gave orders, they gave demands, they made the kids afraid, and the kids just followed in step. And so, as soon as the parents said something there was no doubt that you better do it or there was going to be a consequence. Well, that pendulum swung and it swung all the way around to a lot of what I see today, which is parents actually asking permission mm -hmm. if they could be parents to their kids. Mm -hmm. So it, it literally, it literally comes across like this. Put your coat on, please. Okay. Right almost afraid to actually stand in authority in a, a way that makes your child understand you're leaving, your coat is on, and you're going. Mm -hmm. But there's this tentativeness and there's this gentleness. Like, I, I want to make sure I, 
I don't hurt my child or put my child in any negative place. Well, that is actually creating, and I have seen it well over the last 20 years, very anxious and unskilled children. I literally watch parents come into my office and say, where do you want to sit? Do you want to sit over there or do you want to sit over there? How about you sit over there or maybe I'll sit over here and you can What are you doing? You walk in, you sit down, let your child figure it out. But for the past 20 years, I've been watching that parent. And so now we're coming to the middle where we're asking the parent to stop being so gentle, but not being so authoritarian. Mm -hmm. So you provide a loving environment for your child, but you're also firm. And so you taking charge. And so that's what our jobs are as the ones who have been doing this for as many decades as we have is to start mentoring parents, to learn how to be parents. Not commanders or demanders, and not friends and nice and gentle, but parents who really take charge in a way that's loving and firm, that's able to say, I understand you wanna go to this party, I'm not gonna let you go to the party. I know you wanna stay up another hour, I'm not going to let you stay up another hour. Um, I know you don't want to go to bed. I need you to go to bed. I know you don't want to put your coat on. I'm needing you to put, you know, that, that acknowledgement and then that firmness. Acknowledge, then parent. And so what's going to happen is the parents who are not able to go to lunch and not able, well, actually, if they're parenting correctly, they'll create that free time to go to lunch because they will have put in a structure and a discipline that says I'm in charge. And if there's anything I've seen in my career of doing pediatrics, a child who feels dominant is not safe. And so we have to create that safety for the children by making the parents back in charge. Yeah. You know, I want to, well, one second, Pam, I'll just, um, Speak to that, Larry, because the thing about that, it's kind of like women who choose to breastfeed their children up front. It takes a little bit longer time, but in the end, it pays off. And so if you put that time in up front, it's not going to you have to be um, committed to that process that you explained. And I think a lot of parents give up, especially if they already have bad habits in place. And this is something I, I've shared a lot in, in my my book is just like, how do we raise children during these times? And it really does require a different way of thinking about parenting that what is out at the mainstream um you know idea ideology around that and it just requires investing the time into our children so that we can have the outcomes that we want pam you wanted to share yeah something? um larry brought reminded me of so many parents who say but she wants to go to school to be with her friends okay. <laughs> all right so so let's think about this for a minute you have a 12 year old who wants to go to school to be with her friends, and you are saying logically on the other side, 
I'm not going to let you wear a mask. I'm not going to let you get bullied for not wearing a mask. I'm not going to put you at risk of learning ideology that we disagree with. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to allow you to take the risk of being vaccinated without my permission. The fact that all of those factors on this side makes a parent so concerned about not letting the child do what he or she wants to do just tells you how lopsided the relationship has become because, um, I mean, I, I think I grew up in you know European kind of strict household, but but my sister and I knew where where you could push, and there was only so much of I want to do something, and then you hit the brick wall, and then that's it. But when there's this constant wiggling around, I know I should pull her out of school, but she doesn't want to do it. And well, the kid feels this type of uncertainty, and like you said, it's not safe. They don't feel safe that way. And to that point, one of my coworkers um, has two teenagers, and and um, uh, and she's pulled all three of her kids out of school. She they've been homeschooled, they registered to go to school, now they're back out again. And the and all the whining that went on, which didn't go on for very long, but the daughter confided to a family friend, "I know my parents are doing what's right for me." Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm complaining, and I mean, they they won't say that to the parent; they'll say that to a third party. Oh, yeah, well, definitely. I'm crying. I want my friends, but right. I know my parents are doing what's see, right for me. See, pounds. What you bring up, and what I think we've all brought up, when babies are born, they're born under a physiology: I want, I get, or I die. I mean, that's the primitive brain. That's that hindbrain, dopamine, addiction, uh, reptilian brain. I want, I get, or I die. But we know as adults that I want. We don't always get, I don't die, life is good, I'm okay, I have options, right? That's the higher brain centers. We have a group of parents in this generation who predominantly operate in I want, I get, or I die. (laughs) So the parents are operating in that if I don't get this, everything's going to die. And so Uh we as the mentors are obligated to actually give them the skill set to experience I want, I don't always get, wow, look at all my options. Life is even better. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about is is trying to get the parents to grow up yeah. so that we can get the kids who already know where they need to be to have the structure around them to do what they know they need to be doing anyway, which is what you just said. Mm. Mm. You know, go for it, Eric. Well, I just wanted to say, first of all, absolute Larry, 100%. (laughs) I just literally did this morning. We had a 30 minute segment on our radio show called sticks and stones will break your bones and words will never hurt you. (laughs) You know, I've literally had, have had conversations with my children telling them that, Listen, you may not like everything that I say, but you're going to respect everything I say. And I told them, I said, listen, you guys, this is real simple. I'm going to be a way cooler grandpa than I am a father. I can promise you right now, because my job is to get you to that point, And then I'm going to spoil those grandbabies. OK, so you'll love and respect me now, but you're going to love, love daddy later. And that's okay. I think it's OK to have that. You know, the quality of our life is in direct proportion to the quality of the questions we ask ourselves and ask others. One question I think that we need to ask as a, as a group of parents, how's this working out for us? And it's not. 
And I really, truly believe that if we raise our children on the right fundamentals, the right principles, understanding respect, understanding that people may say things and it don't even matter. Those are the people that are going to take over leadership roles in this world and lead the sheep out of the darkness. That's just the way it's going to be. So so if you want to change the way things are going, it deal you got to deal with your kids and it's okay to have it's okay to have conversations with them. I've had conversations with my own kids saying things like, "Listen, I'm doing the best I have with the skill set that I've been given and then, and then I learned there's no playbook on how to do this. This is my first time dealing with a 16-year-old, my first time dealing with the, you know, all this stuff." have conversations with them and you'd be blown away by how much your kids respect you for just the honesty and transparency. Because like Larry says, they're looking for leadership. And, and, and we, we say this in my house a lot. The inmates do not run the asylum. <laughs> it's the other way around. So there you go. Love it. Renette, you know, yeah. It was 20, I thought I was going to have children when I was growing up. And 20 years ago, when I became a nanny for six months, that's when I made the very clear decision not to have children. <laughs> because it was the second hardest job I ever experienced after commercial fishing in the Alaskan Gulf. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> but while I was taking care of these two children down in Burbank, California, uh, the mother had been in a terrible accident. So I had them for several months just to myself. The father was editing a movie in, in uh, London. So I had those kids. And, and they were awesome. I, I was, they were really good kids. Well, as soon as uh, the mother came out of the hospital and the father returned, um, the dad had asked the kids, so Renette, uh, they said, so kids, uh, how's Renette as, as a nanny? They said, well, she's silly, but strict. And what was really interesting is that I had an authoritarian father who said, you do as I say, not as I do. And if you stepped out, you know, I knew black and white. I knew what the parameters were. And we got spanked quite a bit, which I don't recommend. But I knew what the parameters were. And I realized what happened is when I had those children to myself, I was silly. I was goofy. But I'm like, hey, you forgot to close that cabinet. Oh, hey, you forgot to close the little, you know, the lid to the toilet. Hey, you want to mop up that little mess you did? You know, and I'd be silly and fun and playful, never mean. But as soon as the parents came home, they didn't have those parameters. Those parameters with the children had never existed. And as soon as they came home and the mother returned from the hospital, all hell broke out. The children were like different children because the parameters that I had set, which were firm, clear, they knew right for wrong, disintegrated as soon as their parents came home. And I had seen clearly what their parenting style had done versus my three months of nanny style. And that's a perfect example of, of like you're saying, is having that safe container, right? So parents, so the kids can go and explore and they know what the limits are, but they're not, they're not lashing out. They're not feeling like they're unsafe, right? And, and that's what happened. Once the parents came home, they felt unsafe because they no longer had that container. And right. to this We'll have no children. Renette, Renette, I can call her. you Mary Poppins. Right. <laughs> She's a perfect Mary Poppins. Now, I'll piggyback that example. I know we're at the top of the hour, but, you know, with my six children, two were um, my stepchildren. So we blended our families together um, with, so I had three under five and then a five-year-old and a 10-year-old that weren't mine. One was in Waldorf, no, Montessori, and one was Montessori moved to public school. So the 10-year-old. And so I was, um, and I had always homeschooled my children, my three. And then I was pregnant. So that's how I ended up with a six under 10 opening my uh, cafe. That was insane time of my life. But the, the comparison between my children who were always homeschooled, right? And then de-schooling, unschooling, the ones that, and actually, it, you know, it wasn't, it was Montessori. So you would think that would be 
um, not so bad, but there's that process of they had, and they had no structure at home. So when you have that, where you're either being told what to do, you can't think for yourself. And that's the children that are coming out of school. They do need that period of time. It's not like it's instant. It really takes an unwinding process, but then also in their home environment, having no structure. And I'm like, you know, the Mary Poppins with kids with, I'm very much like you and like, that that kind of structure but it was just fascinating to see firsthand not for three months but for years that process of how to um implement something when that that's not there so i think there's some chris i know you have to hop do you want to close this out real quick before you go well there's one thing that i want to bring up and that is in 1986 the cdc schedule of recommended vaccines tripled that means that uh, those people who got 72 different shots and then added to that flu and Gardasil are now 35 years old. So what you're looking at in the uh, early 30 people and all the 20s are a bunch of people with an enormous amount of um, heavy metals and toxins in their system. And this is very important just from a biologic point of view. So what what I would say is the sooner we get a whole group of of young people, I call the ones without all these shots, the golden DNA. And there's a movie, The Children of Men. And I think that we've got to preserve this critical thinking, this ability because the future of the human race, the glorious new earth that's coming into fruition is going to require this kind of DNA, this kind of parenting, Mm -hmm. so that we become what we're truly capable of. And I know we're at a great bifurcation and there's a lot of people that are not coming with us. And that's very, very important. So as you were saying, Renette, you're you're gonna make your, this is the mission statement, and then don't fold as the creep comes in. And Pam Popper, the same. Make Americans free again. We've got a group here in Maine. Maine stands up. And honest to God, it's like they're always, the, the wolves are always at the door to water it down, water it down, water it down. This is the time we must absolutely stand in the divine principle coming through a human body. That kind of power, the power behind your eyes, not the power in front of your eyes. We've got it completely reversed. I love it, Chris. So lots of resources here. Maine stands up, make Americans free again. Eric, do you have anything resources that to direct people to? I know. Yeah, uh, we, have, we actually have. A, so what have we've done with our sites, if, if people can just go to ericnaputi.com, it's E-R-I-C-N-E-P-U-T.com. What we're doing there is we're putting Make America Free Again. We're putting all those resources there. I mean, we've got all these great resources. Why would we want to reinvent the wheel? I'm telling you right now, what Pam has got going on is absolutely amazing. What Christiane's got going on is a game changer. Everybody needs to get involved with this because the blueprint's already there for you. Everybody's looking, "What what do I do? Well, the blueprints are there. Just go and follow the blueprints, move forward with it, and just make it happen. Beautiful. Yep. Let's take back the kids. Thanks everyone for tuning in. This replay can be found on earthheroes tv.com. 
and please share it widely. And we appreciate everyone. I appreciate all of you, these incredible inspirational voices um, unifying together so that we can really do the best for the future generations. So thank you all for tuning in.